Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Talk Photo, our podcast about a lot of things photography, mainly focused around landscape and nature. I'm one of your hosts, John Peterson, and with me, as always, is Mr. Jack Graham. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jack. Well, hey, folks, today we have a wonderful treat for you. We have another exciting guest on our show. This guy is uh, a wonderful individual, wonderful photographer, great writer, happens to be a Fuji X photographer as well. And he's based in the great state of Alaska. So everybody, please welcome Dan Bailey to the show today. Hey, Dan. Jack, how's it going? Been a while. Been We've too long. A quick couple of minutes in Anchorage. Maybe next year we'll take a day and uh, the three of us could go out and you could teach us a few things about photography. Be take great. us on a bike ride. I'll take you on a bike ride. It's <laughs> <laughs> working really. Wonderful. Well, thank smoke where you were, Jack. You had it last summer. In fact, it cooled off by the time we got up there. But every, for a month before we got there, I kept looking at the weather and I'm saying something wrong with this picture. It's 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 like 68 in Seattle and 92 in Anchorage. And, yeah, we had to go down the lower 48 to cool off a couple of times. Yeah, well, it was yeah. a crazy year. Of course, you know, um, who 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 knows what next year will be? This year we've had no fires. And you've had it all, so it's yeah. Things, things are, and we've had no rain. <clears throat> things are uh, things are crazy, but you know it is fall, and uh, things are going to change here, uh, hopefully for the winter. But uh, Dan, it's great to have you. Um, you and I have spent and John even spent a fair bit of time together at some Fujifilm events, um, and uh, had some talks about a lot of different things, and we're going to get into a couple of that. A couple of those things here, but it's really great to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Yeah, um, thanks for having me, Jack. It's always great to hang out with you. Let's uh, let's just for our listeners, let's kick things off with a little bit about um, Dan Bailey. So I, yeah. So is this the part where I talk about myself? <laughs> uh, this is the part of of selfish self promotion. That's <laughs> okay. all good. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a long-time adventure photographer. That's the, the moniker that I give myself, and I, 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 I do so because I consider myself a, a student of the Galen Rowell School of Photography. He was a huge influence when I was getting started with the cameras, and uh, he was one of the premier mountain and adventure photographers. And, uh, he basically paved the way for punks like me, and his style of photography was was going light and fast in the mountains and the outdoors and traveling and shooting the world and shooting scenes from a first person perspective where, in, where he's an active participant in the scene, uh, whether he's, you know, traveling through a far country or skiing up and down a mountain or you know, hiking or climbing. And so that style really appealed to me. And I adopted that, that mentality in photography and that's carried through, through all of my subject matter and all the, the years and things that I've shot. And so in my early days, I, I started, when I first turned pro, I was a, a climbing, rock and ice climbing photographer. And I started branching out to other sports like kayaking and mountain biking and mountaineering and skiing. And I always loved landscapes. I was shooting landscapes uh, before I even turned pro. In fact, the summer before I graduated from college, my buddy and I 
drove around the West, drove around the American West for, for a month. And we had, you know, referencing the book Mountain Light, you know, Galen Rowell's book Mountain Light. And we would visit some of the locations that were described in the book. So he was, he was my, one of my biggest influences. So as I've carried through, uh, I've, I've branched out and shot a really wide variety of subject matter. But what always holds true is that I, I still tend to move and see quickly. And, and part of the, the thing about learning to be an action photographer is that I'm able to look at a scene very quickly and gauge what I like about the scene what I think might happen, how I think it should come together in my mind, compositionally, and I'm able to react quickly with my cameras and make it happen. And so that, whether I'm shooting a bike race where guys are speeding past me at you know, 20 miles an hour, or whether I see a, a still landscape, I, I'm able to see very quickly. And and I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not methodical because I do put a lot of thought into my photography, but I've just trained myself to see and capture and react very quickly. And so that's, that's, uh, the past number of years I've, I've kind of devoted myself to teaching other photographers how to have a similar mentality and also how to, uh, I've, I've had such a, uh, a wonderful resurgence and, and renewed love with photography with the Fujifilm gear. And it's not so much about the cameras. It's, it's just, the mentality of shooting. And so I try to share uh, some of those ideas with my students and my blog and books and ebooks. And, and now I'm starting to do video lessons as well this year. So that's been a pretty exciting new project. Yeah, yeah I, I, the same thing. And I know John has, uh, John and I are both uh, food film shooters as well. And um, it's a funny thing. And it's not just the three of us who, you know, who and, and the other ex photographers who make you know a living in this business. But um, a lot of my workshop clients who discovered Fuji really fell in love with the Fuji film products um, for the same reason. And I think it has to do with the ergonomics, obviously the performance and, and the quality of the lenses, but the ergonomics and the thought that they put into you know this gear um, that makes. Especially what you do, Dan, um, really uh, a lot, a lot, a lot easier in the fact that you can travel light and you can go places. But it's just kind of that reinvigoration of the creative energy that some, I, I hear more and more from people that pick up a pick up a Fuji camera that say, you know what, this really reinvigorated my my photography, and I'm thankful for it. And I think that's kind of a cool unintended testament to the company that that designed this stuff and for me uh the thing that that drew me in immediately was the colors uh, i was a you know diehard fujifilm shooter you know particularly velvia um, back in my day and that you know that's I, I cut my teeth and i feel my creative development as a photographer was so closely tied to to color profiles like velvia and astia and sensia provia and when I first picked up a Fuji camera, that was one of the immediate things I noticed was they put these color profiles from those films back into the cameras. And so as I have to say that that, you know, that's the, probably the biggest thing for me with, with how it's transformed my life. Because there's a lot of cameras you can buy that are small. 
but the colors, the Fuji colors, were so integral to my development as a photographer, and I'm so much in love with with the notion of applying those color palettes to my to my scenes. It really has shifted me back to shooting with a film mentality, and when I say that, uh, it's 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 an approach that where I'm mostly just shooting JPEG these days. I basically outsourced my color and processing to Fuji. You know, it's all done in the camera. And I I'm, I have experienced enormous amount of creative liberation by just shooting JPEG. And, I, and that's probably the, the biggest thing that I evangelize about when I teach these days is trying to, trying to show people that there's another way. Uh, we've all been kind of indoctrinated with digital photography that you always have to shoot raw and you always have to have uh, this amount of processing and you always have to pay mind to these sliders and only these amounts and percentages and sharpening this much and and most people I just see a lot of people get really confused because they want to shoot photos they don't want to be so entrenched with with Photoshop but they feel they have to because we've all been told we have to by some very prominent and, and very talented photographers. But my point is that they do what they do, but that doesn't mean that we all have to do what they do. We have the tools to create in the moment. And when we're out there feeling the wind in our hair and the sun on our faces and feeling the emotions and excitement that we experience when we're on scene and location, looking at the world through our own eyes, we can capture scenes and walk away with a final image that reflects all those things instead of walking away with a bunch of raw files that we have to go process later when we're far removed from all those experiences we had when we shot the photo in the first place. Yeah, agreed. Okay. There, there was one thing that you said, Dan, that, that really triggered a thought in me that I do notice a lot of folks almost getting their creativity is being constrained by the the weight of having to shoot in raw and the weight of having to post-process and not really feeling comfortable there. And so they don't shoot as creatively as they could if they would just let go. Yeah, and, and, I, and there are some people who, who shoot very creatively and process raw with, with a lot of confidence and skill. But as I said, not everyone has to do that. And But so many people feel that that's the way to do things, especially... Uh, it, it's funny. I see the generation of, of photographers who grew up with film, and now these are some of the people who are the most, you know, the most stuck into this all raw, all processing workflow. When when they learned photography, there was no such thing as processing. You got what you got with a piece of slide film. And I'm just trying to get people to see that that they can do that again. And the Fuji cameras do it really well. The reality is that. Almost every camera on the market is going to shoot great-looking JPEGs, but we do have an advantage with the Fuji colors because they are very creatively thought out uh, in the scientific way that they each each different color palette reproduces the scene to evoke a different mood and style. Yes, they, uh, they've they've actually done a fantastic job with their with their color profiles. I used to be uh, before Fuji. I was a you know hundred percent raw shooter, like what you were talking about. And I tell you, over the last five six years, I've moved to eighty to ninety percent of the images that I use are all uh, JPEGs because those color profiles are so amazing. Yeah, I, I recently did a <clears throat> my very first YouTube lesson. Uh, I shot last month was about that. It was 
I just talked about my favorite film simulations and kind of showed people how I use them and, and, and how they can you know, try to get their mind to understand what these are for. Because so there's a lot of people who don't understand how that whole film simulation thing is supposed to work and what it's for. And if you're shooting in RAW, it's not, it's kind of a, it doesn't have to apply. And, and I just, I think it's such a vital part of the, of the creative process and one of the most important tools that we have at our disposal. And so again, as I said, one of my huge things to evangelize and is to try to get people to understand, and especially Fuji shooters, to understand you know, the approach of creating in the moment and making decisions when you're on location and, you know, whatever camera you're using, instead of deferring your creative creativity until later, you know, make those decisions in the moment when, you, when you're looking at the scene in that, you know, right then in that time. You know, there's... Well, you still the have emotion. the emotion of the experience yeah. live with you. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, think about it. You could you could go on a trip for a month and shoot a thousand photos and come back, and then you have all of your things you have to do when you get home. You have to take the trash out, and you have to go to the dentist and take your, pick your kids up from soccer, and then you have to go back to work, and then you have to, you know, get your projects done, and then you might have a little bit of time in the evening to process photos. You know, bleary-eyed, sitting at the computer, tired from your, you know, trip and all the stuff you had to get done, and you're like, oh, okay, what was I thinking when I shot this photo? And and so you might take a month or two months or six months to find to process all of those photos from one trip, and meanwhile you're about to go on another trip, and you're still you're you just fall so beho- so far behind in the process, and you're as I said you're so far removed, it it's there's becomes this sort of dis- creative disconnect, and then it it becomes more stress than creativity and fun. So that's yeah that's. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. We're we're doing this because we enjoy it. Well, it shouldn't thing, be stressful. The thing is, is that the Fuji Film Company was a film company. That's what they did, and that's really well, they make glass, but they they were predominantly known as a film company, and they've taken that uh, that 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 well everything they knew about film, put it into their into their gear, and it's all good. Uh, so, so that I just think that the ergonomics and all the uh, the way that the cameras are laid out really probably helps Deb helps you more than any other kind of photographer I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Dan, good. Dan, let Thank me you. ask you real quick to talk about. So you're you know obviously like the rest of us, you're a land based photographer. You you walk, pedal, bike, float, fly. Boat. Well, I do have but, an airplane. So yeah, I'm, but I'm you also have thing. an airplane and do some great aerial work. Uh, talk about that experience. Yeah, so I, I lived in Alaska for about 11 years. And I when I first moved here, I immediately was drawn to the sky because there were little bush planes flying overhead all the time. Yeah. And They're so like taxis. I, yeah. Yeah, in fact, they're called air taxis. Yeah. And so I, within two months of moving here, I started my lessons. And within a couple of years, I had purchased my own plane. I have a little 1947 Cessna that is basically has a you know, two seats side by side with the, uh, the equivalent of a Volkswagen engine up front. So it doesn't go very fast, doesn't go very high, but uh, I use it to 
to explore the backcountry because we don't have very many roads. And one of my favorite things to do is shoot aerials. So I'll take a, off in the wintertime, especially, and open the window and fly around at sunset and point my camera out the window and just circle around these big majestic peaks right when the sun is in the most dramatic, capturing this you know, beautiful pink and purple and orange light on the on these big snowy peaks. Yeah, some, some beautiful me, images. Nothing... Do, you, do you use a prime or a zoom lens to do that? Uh, I'm a huge prime guy, and so when I go shoot aerials, it's almost all primes. Yeah. Uh, or so, you, it, it, so you can keep one hand on the stick. Yeah, and I, and I have shot, at some point I've shot almost every lens, uh, even the 100 to 400 uh, in the plane, but I always go back to those little primes. My favorites are the 35 and the 50 and then the 90. Those are probably the three most used lenses in my aerial work. And I'm the same when I'm Extra. traveling, cycling. Yeah, I just, I just prefer the small form factor of the primes. So, Dan, what camera, Fujifilm camera, do you are you using now mostly? I I know that the you know for the those of you who don't know that there is a, a camera called an XH1 which has stabilization inside, uh, quite performs amazingly good um, you can buy it at a great price these days uh, and uh, and a new X-T3 what, what's your favorite I'm an X-T3 guy uh, I'm, I've I've been in love with the X-T series from from day one and so one two and now the three I think you wrote a book on uh, was it X-T2 uh, I actually wrote a book uh, two years ago on the Entire series. It's the entire X series. X series yeah. At the time, I was using the XT2, but the really amazing thing about uh, all the cameras is that they, every single Fuji camera has shares a lot of the same features, and so that allowed me to cover the entire range of the of what you can do with the cameras with one book, uh, and that's it was for me for, professionally. It was one of the if not the most successful thing I've ever done, uh, from a personal standpoint, it was the same because I've suddenly, you know, was able to reach so many Fuji shooters and, and help them understand the, just the power that they have in their fingertips and, and how to use it more creatively. And that's yeah, really I think satisfying that, for me. I think it's that's true with a lot of cameras. Oh, go ahead. I was yeah, going to say that I, book is still available and I would highly recommend it. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I have the ebook versions on my website. Yeah, the ebook versions on my blog. Rocky Nook has a print version uh, as well uh, that was released last year. So, and I've been updating the book too. My the, the advantage of the ebook uh, is that I'm able to update uh, just as Fuji releases new models and, and does firmware updates. Uh, I'm able to add add things to the book to cover the, the latest features and the new models. That's awesome. So, Dan, so, oh, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, just a real quick question on your, on your, uh, your adventure photography. <clears throat> um, what's your preference? Is it, is it, it looks like you gravitate more to the cycling situations and those events that you, uh, you've done. I know you've done some, you know, some, some running, things and some hiking things and some whatever but it looks like you know your work on a bicycle is, is amazing how, how do you 
how do you get such great photographs when you're driving over rocks and, and, and where you go? You know, it, it all goes back to that Galen Rowell school of photography where I'm, I'm doing activities that I love and that I'm confident at. Uh, I know the activity intimately, and so I know I have a, a great familiarity with with the times, the types of uh, the types of occurrences, the types of excitement that you can experience out there, and so I I know when those moments could potentially happen. Uh, so it's a combination of understanding the sport and then just being immersed in it myself. And and lately I've done tons of cycling. Uh, in the past, as I said, I've done I've shot a lot of rock climbing, skiing, mountain biking, kayaking. Uh, it's hiking. It's you know, for me, I, for me, the feeling of, of adventure is is exploring the world under your own power, and and I just have always been a cyclist, and so that's a lot of what I shoot these days. Oops, sorry. No, we're all good. <laughs> you know, you, you know what's funny. Uh, while this is going on, Jack and I are texting each other because you know, that's a little I mean, behind the scenes me. view. Feeling left out here. No, no. All right, text. we'll get you in the group chat. It's all good, Dan. <laughs> so, Jack, why don't you uh, why don't you and uh, talk to Dan a little bit about music? I know you both have expressed this concept of parallels between music and photography. Yeah, you know, Dan and I have had some long discussions, um, usually over uh, a, a, an adult beverage or three, and. Um, we, <laughs> It, whenever we get together, we always inevitably get back to something that has to do with music because of Dan's background, my background. John is a very well-versed person in music as well. Um, and it always gets back to the similarities between especially creative music like jazz uh, and, and R&B and that kind of thing uh, and, uh, and making photographs. Dan, let me let you kick that off, and, and we'll intersperse because your okay. thoughts are pretty pretty good on this. Yeah, I've I've been a musician for for most of my life. I I play, I started playing guitar when I was fifteen, uh, and you know even before then I was you know I'm in love with rock and roll. Um, <clears throat> which Jack, by the way, is it's a very popular music form. You should check this out. Uh, <laughs> it's like the internet. It's going to be huge. Yeah, it, it's going to be huge. And and really, it's it's like jazz, except you actually plug your instrument in, and you can make it really loud and and. So. <laughs> but I, I <laughs> I'm so over the years, I've you know, just like photography, I've drifted across a, a variety of music styles, and I went to music college where I listened to. Um, the most jazz that I've ever listened to in my life was during my educational years when I went to Berkeley College of Music. Um, and to this day, I still try to find time um, to play music and, and write and record my own compositions. And I just I see this I see these really interesting parallels between between music and photography and the ways that they're created and the ways that as viewers and listeners, we draw those, uh, you know, responses. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the, 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 the tune, you know, the, the, the chart or it's kind of like the subject that we look at and then what are we going to do with it? How are we going to change it? 
or or represent it the way we want to represent it. Exactly. You know, whether it's a, a whether it's a jazz standard or a popular song, there's there's an, a theme. There's a defined theme or head and a, or and a form. Or, yeah, and, and a form. And so, and with with both photography and music, the job of the creator is to bring the audience into this form and and suggest give them a, an idea of what they're going to experience when they're in this form and then start to start to tell a story with these musical themes and motifs uh, or with different compositional subject matter and techniques and then guide them through a little journey where you're showing them things and 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 kind of giving them variations on themes and then at some point you you bring them into the main message of the song or the composition and and you kind of you know you have your energy going up and down and you have movement across the frame and and through the song form but eventually you're out and it's a short piece of art and when you're out you're left remembering what you just saw or what you just heard and and that's really a reflection of of the ideas that the composer put into the piece. Exactly. And the other thing, too, is that uh, the other parallel that, that I always try to express to my workshop attendees is that uh, I once wrote an article on my blog entitled Know Your Acts. Oh, yeah. And your acts, for those who don't know, it's not something we chop wood with. It's a, it's a, it's a word that musicians use to talk about what instrument do you play your 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 guitar is your axe it's kind of a jazz term but uh you've got to know where everything is on your on your camera your camera is essentially your musical instrument yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that can't be messing around and that's one of beautiful things about fujifilm Uh, dan when was the last time you looked at a menu (laughs) (laughs) right uh Everything's there. It's right in your yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's, that's such a good creative. parallel. You know, you can worry about being creative. You don't have to throw, oh, i got to go to the menu to find, you know. We don't have to deal yeah. with it. Well, or else, if you if you do have a, a thing that you want to do, you know where to find that in the menu. If you right. say, because there are some, you know, there's some extraordinarily powerful tools that that do live in the menus. And so if you have an idea, oh, I'm going to play a major, I'm going to play a major seventh of this Lydian chord, uh, or else I'm going to, you know, go into the menu and use the shutter AE f- function because I know that I can, this is going to do this for my scene. You know exactly where to find that stuff on the fretboard exactly. or in the camera menu. Exactly. Yep. You know, yeah. I, I really like that concept you guys both talked about, about having a structure or a form you know, we could be playing a jazz standard or shooting at an iconic location. You know, those are the structures, those are the forms that are presented with us. But our artistic voice comes through in how we interpret and present the form or the standard that we're shooting. And that's really where even though you it, a lot of people complain that things have been shot to death. Well, yeah, they have. But... <laughs> Is there your own artistic voice that you can apply to a, a form or a structure to make it a little bit of your own? I think yeah. that's a great concept. So we flew home yesterday, and we 
oftentimes, almost every time we come go in from Anchorage, we'll pass through Seattle Airport. Well, Seattle uh, has musicians at the airport, you know, every day in different parts of the terminal. Yeah, Portland. And it's actually an enjoyable part of my travel experience these days during my layovers and go and, and listen to the musicians and see who's playing. So yesterday, we uh, right in the middle of the terminal, there was this woman who was just solo voice and stand-up bass. And we just had time to listen to one song, and she played the most beautiful, haunting, soulful, emotional rendition of Bad Moon Rising by Creedence Clearwater Revival. And it was so moving and so powerful, I didn't even realize that that was the song she played until it was over and my wife made the remark. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I was so lost in the, the beauty of her voice and her playing, just plucking strings in a double bass, that it just... It took me to a place that that it was it was really cool. Oh, that's that's exactly awesome! What you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Every time you approach a scene, you know, and I think that we 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 all fall into this trap where we've all seen iconic pictures of specific locations, and we go and try to reproduce those scenes just like in, in the same way that we've seen those. And and that's another thing I try to get across is. You know, for one thing, try to visit different locations because, for one thing, you'll you'll find fewer people there, uh, possibly. But but as you said, every single scene can be reproduced or shot or abbreviated or represented in a unique way, and that's what we should all strive for as artists and photographers. Yes, stylization. Yeah, like maybe when I shoot the Palouse this time, I'm going to use a phaser pedal. Or a delay, you know, or just play it on a trumpet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did that a lot. In fact, the first time I ever really did that was on, at Bandon Beach a number of years ago. And I just found myself saying, you know, I can't shoot this beach in color anymore. And I rarely shoot color photographs there. Because I went there with the sole purpose of shooting monochrome. And uh, it's all good. Hey, Deb, you're a project. I think you're a project-oriented person. Uh, more so than almost anybody I know, um, between your videos and your books and blogs and everything. What, what, A, what do you do in these days? And, you know, talk about that project-based stuff, because I think uh, in today's photographic uh, life for people, um, I think having projects is a really good thing for people to, to focus on. And, uh, you're real good at it. Can you just talk about how you, how you have that discipline? Yeah. So we're actually coming into one of my favorite times of the year, uh, which is fall. And the reason I love fall is because it's cyclocross season and cyclocross is a, is a style of bike racing where you're essentially riding, road bikes through the mud and the dirt and the grass and carrying them over barriers and uphill. And it was, it was started by the Belgians about a hundred years ago. You know, these, these road bike racers in the wintertime, you know, like, well, it's, there's no more summer races. So let's figure out how to race, you know, so let's like race from this village to the next village, like through the farmer's field and over the fence and through the snow. And so for me, there's a huge amount of energy and excitement and, and challenge and physical exertion in bike racing, especially cyclocross. So every year I shoot, I, I race cyclocross, and every year I shoot the races as well. 
and I, and I always try, the challenge for me is to always try to do something different uh, and use different color palettes, different lenses, different techniques, and, and just try to push my own creative envelope to getting new, you know, new results. And so, so last year was an example. I had just gotten the X-T3 and I was trying out some of the features and, you know, I'd been shooting cyclocross for years, you know, six or seven years in a row every year. And last year I got what I feel was my most exciting, amazing action shot I've ever made. And so that, that excitement to keep trying to shoot the best photo I've ever made year after year is always driving me. So that's what's coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, from a, on the back side of that, from the teaching side and the kind of you know, project side, uh, I've, I've just started to do uh, more video lessons. Uh, I do a lot of presentations around the country at stores and camera events. And it occurred to me, you know, I see the impact I made when I, that I can make when I teach in person. And so my thought was I should just do some of these short lessons and doing a video. And so I've started to do, uh, I've started to ramp up my YouTube channel and add, I've been doing about a lesson per week uh, on different topics. Some are Fuji related and some are just uh, photography related that aren't, aren't Fuji, Fuji specific. And then I also have a brand new series called Photography on the Brain, where it's a, it's, it's a more of a subscriber membership thing, where if you sign up for the course, you get one about 10 minute lesson per month. And it's a, it's a, it's a different, it's a different style of, of instruction where my YouTube videos are, are kind of more concrete tips. Uh, this is more cerebral explorations into photography and creativity and image making and style. And I actually have one lesson where we, I talk more about the musical aspects, similar to what we just discussed. So these are the ideas that have continued to fire my own neurons and, and spark my interest, uh, you know, with photography and my own thoughts and introspections. And so that's what I want to share with my, with my students who sign up for this course, because I, I feel it's just a, it's like, it's getting, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, well, I'd love to, you know, sit down with you for over a coffee. Okay. Well, this is what we talk about, you know, 10 minutes of just really different introspection and intelligent approach to creativity and photography. So folks can find you on YouTube, correct? Yep, I'm YouTube slash Dan Bailey Photo. And then on my blog, you can see the, the photography on the brain uh, information there. Yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. all good. We'll, we'll put that like up I on say. the website. Hey, Dan, just to, yeah. so kind of jumping back to the to the project-based application, I mean, you, you're very prolific. You're a huge creator from your blogs, your videos, all the stuff that you're doing. But, you, you know, you touched on um, setting little goals and little projects. And that's kind of one of the things that I talk to my folks a lot about is is set yourself little goals and, or give yourself little projects, whether that's, you know, to Jack's point, shooting band and only in monochrome, shooting a waterfall with a fixed prime lens or, you know, pick something to, to set a little project for yourself. And I think part of that is... Uh, a little bit of self, everybody needs to engage in a little bit of self-reflection on their own photography. Look at, you know, and evaluate your work. How much, how much evaluation of your own work do you do to help sort of drive where you want to take your work? 
Well, I think I do an enormous amount of evaluation. You know, I'm downloading pictures right now from the past week. And so I can see what worked, what didn't work, what approaches appeal to me when I you know, see the picture in full size. And, and then on the camera side, I'm always digging in and, you know, trying different features and, and, you know, well, how, how can I apply this feature to my, to this kind of subject matter? And, and that's been a really fun thing with the, with the Fuji cameras for me, because when they first were introduced, they were not action ready, outdoor, rugged, you know, fast autofocus cameras. And so I had to adapt in some real creative ways to make them work for, for me in the styles of pictures I wanted to shoot. And so that helped me in my process to learn how to be more proficient shooter. But I think what, what you just touched on having little projects, uh, and I was thinking about this recently, I, I kind of referred to them as templates. You know, we, we all read and hear so much creative stuff from people on podcasts and on blogs and books. And in, in some ways, we're all saying the same thing, which is essentially, well, be more creative. Let go of your creative blocks. You know, go look at the world in a different way. But then I, I was doing a podcast with Karen recently, and we both kind of realized, well, when we say that, it's kind of like writing a self-help book where on page one you say, get past your issues. Yeah. And that's it. Like, that's the book. Well, if we all knew how to be more creative, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't need all this instruction. We wouldn't be keep. We wouldn't continue to turn to blogs and podcasts. So we recognize that, yeah, we, there are specific ways to approach creativity that can help you pass those blocks. And so, yeah, okay, I'm going to leave the house with one lens today. I'm going to only shoot in black and white. I'm going to write a song in a minor key today. Oh, I'm going to you know, write a song in this song form. I'm going to paint a picture but with only these colors or using... You know, I'm going to paint it Bob Ross style where, using, where I'm just using a putty knife to paint in a landscape. For sure. So it, it, you know, I would add that even doing these things, you know, I, I talk to folks and say, just do some of these things, even though it's not, it may not be what you want from a finished work to share with folks, but they're all building blocks. It's this mental, um, it's a skill set that we build up mentally, you know, shooting with a prime lens only or painting with one color, these all collectively add up into your overall creative skill set, I think. Yeah, that's exactly right. You Every time you try something new, every time you try anything, you learn, okay, this works or this doesn't work. And if it works, you now have a new, a new technique to put into your bag of tricks. So the next time you say, oh, I remember last time I shot this scene and this technique worked, so I'm going to try it now. And you have a, a a better chance of in of getting a, a successful, uh, you know, successful image. Indeed. Uh, and but but there's another aspect to all this, and I think that it's easy for people to get hung up on it. Is you know, people, we're all in, inherent creative beings, and a lot of times the gear gets in the way, and. You know, we it, sometimes we struggle with getting what's really in our heads and our hearts out into the space because we're kind of working with the limitations of the tools or 
like guitar is a perfect example. You know, you have these patterns and scales and chord shapes that in some ways can limit you until you kind of figure out, you know, ways around that. Uh, the camera is a, a fixed finite little box with buttons and dials and the lens, each lens sees the world a different way. And, and so there, there's, I think it's important for people to experiment and try things that may or may not work. And in fact, oftentimes might not work at all because you learn. And even if it's not a quote, great image, maybe you'll get something and evoke an emotion that really appeals to you because in the end, it doesn't matter whether your picture is in perfectly sharp focus and everything's composed with the rule of thirds and you have a defined subject and you have, you know, this color palette and that, that, you know, scene in the end, every single time you make a creation, it's going to evoke some kind of a personal emotion in you and you'll learn something about yourself and your creativity and it, it or else it's just going to scratch some itch that says, Oh, look what I just made. You know, it's just, it doesn't conform to any kind of standards, but I made this. Yeah, and Jack, there at the last Fuji workshop, I, I I can't remember her name, but there was the woman uh, with the dark hair, who that was that person. She didn't subscribe to all of the the rules that you know these serious male photographers are putting across and we I don't remember. adhere to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but she produced wonderful work, and and I think the the thing to maybe what can help that is is just increased confidence. The more you shoot, the more you know your gear, the more you know your axe, the more practice you have with these techniques, you'll increase your confidence. So every time you shoot, you increase your confidence of, of what can I do? Yeah, I think I think to add on to that, Dan, I love your points. Um, I, I think for our listeners, one of the things I'd like them to walk away with is learning what doesn't work is just as important as learning what does work. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. You know, we were, we were with that comes with with practice. Yep, and it comes with doing it yeah. and and not getting you know not getting depressed when you come home and you look at your stuff and say, well, well I just wasted a day. You didn't waste any day, right? You know, and there's another aspect of that is that we're cyclical creatures. You know, we live in seasons and we live in in patterns. And so, like I just said, oh, fall is cyclocross season for me. Or summer is, oh, summer landscapes. I'm taking my vacation. I'm, you know, oh, it's my, chance, my one chance a year to go see bears in Alaska. And so you build up these expectations in your mind. Well, I better come back with some great images. I better have the payoff because I've been practicing the photography stuff all year. I better go and get better stuff than I did last year. And if I don't, I'm going to be really disappointed. And that is going to cause, you know, mental problems too. And it is and so much of what we do is is in the mind, and I don't think that's addressed enough. Yeah, um, our own expectations are what kill us more than anything else. You know, expectations when, and disappointment. And you, you know, you, I can tell you that I had when I was real active in the music business, man. I had I had days where I was, man, was I on? I didn't miss a note, and everything was great. And then I had days where just nothing, nothing happened. But but you learn from that. Yeah, and, and maybe, and even if you're not learning from it, like let's say you were sitting there in the bandstand and you played a bunch of wrong notes that day and you felt down on yourself, but everyone around you, maybe everyone else around you was on and you suddenly were sitting there experiencing this, experiencing this, this incredible create, creative 
musical piece that was played while you were sitting right there and you were a part of, even though you didn't hit all the notes exactly. Or if you're standing there at sunrise in the Palouse and you, maybe your pictures aren't great, but you just watched, you just stood in nature and watched this beautiful sunrise. Exactly. It's about experiences in life that you have. It's and, better and sit in a cubicle, uh, you know, crunching numbers somewhere. Yeah, and I love your approach when you talk about it's the hunt. It's once you press the shutter, it's done. It's like, okay, oh. well, who cares? Who cares what that pick? It's it's the process, it's the experience of, of getting there and being there when the moment happens. I would so encourage everybody to write down five reasons they like to take photographs. And, and <laughs> the reason number one is because I want people to look up, tell me how great I am. I would suggest finding something else to do, frankly. Uh, it's, for it's, me it's the pile of money that that it is. my doorstep every day <laughs> and I'm, when we're done here i have, have to get the blower out and make sure i can open my door here it's an amazing yeah it's, that's a but, good exercise though it is and i need plenty of that um uh but you know if i should have let that ring my phone my my ring on my phone is miles is uh so what <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of a metaphor for oh things <laughs> well dan yeah. i gotta tell you um our, our time here went pretty quick uh, we'd have to get you back and maybe what i'll do is when uh, we're together in photo plus i'll bring my little uh, microphone that maybe i'll learn how to use this time oh yeah and uh it, uh, it does take an sd card and we can uh we can record something and maybe we can get you know you and i and karen and stacy and whoever else is around and we can do a a round table at uh, at Photo Plus in that'd be New York, fun, you know, and uh, it's always it's always it's always fun, um, folks. Uh, Dan is a, a real a real uh, amazing photographer and, and does a lot of different things than than most of us do, and he does that because a he he has dedicated his life to it pri pr primarily, but um, it's a passion and. Uh, and if you want to see passion, go to danbaileyphoto.com and explore his work. And uh, I know there's a lot he can offer. Um, we talked about the YouTube channel. You've got a number of uh, books and ebooks around. Quickly, Dan, could you just speak to those? Yeah, I think I've got seven ebooks right now, uh, including the X Series Unlimited. And then the, the latest one I did was called Behind the Landscape. Uh, where I, I break down uh, 16 of my favorite recent landscape photos and I talk about the approach and the, the creative ideas and execution and gear and what I learned from each scene and kind of pull it together and, and how each photograph developed. Uh, and then I've got the, I've got uh, my book Outdoor Adventure in Action Photography that even if you're not an action photographer, it, it as I said, it, it kind of speaks to this whole uh, mindset of learning to see quickly and applying fundamental photography techniques, uh, no matter what you're photographing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've been really excited to write the, by, I, I, when I started blogging, I never knew it would, would go. And, and my passion for sharing information about photography and teaching has expanded into uh, some really cool avenues. Yeah, as it as it as it shows. Well, anyhow, um, 
I think I don't have any more questions right now for Dan. John, do you? No, I'm really good, Dan. I'm just really thankful that uh, we could spend this time talking with you. I think it's been great. Yeah, nice. I'm really excited. I, I'm glad that we finally had a chance to, to meet up, Jack. Uh, yeah. it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I just do have, I, I have one question for Jack is um, if I'm playing a dominant seventh, uh, <laughs> if I play a Lydian scale that's one third up from that, from the root right. note, is that going to work or is there going to? You know what? It works if you like it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's, yeah. Photography. that's the safe answer. That's it. You know, and and uh, it's all good. You know, it's it's. Uh, yeah. I, I always tell people what works for you is what works. And uh, um, when I John and I do image reviews, we tell them we can tell you if it's exposed right or other things. But so much of what we look at is subjective, and it's the art of the of the creator of the uh, of the photograph. So it's. It, it, you know, you could try that, or you could try a, a little Dorian would be okay, because that brings me into Miles' so what that I just heard on my phone. <laughs> and, and that's that's a really good way to, to end this, is that it it really is up to you to do whatever you want. And when you look at every great photograph, every great painting, every great rock and roll recording, it's because somebody said, what if I do it this way? Right. And And there's someone else who either wouldn't have thought of that way or even worse might have said, oh, no, you can't do that. That's not right. You can't overly compress the vocals like that. You're just going to have too much popping and breathing. Or you can't paint that way because it's going to be a mess on the canvas. Or you can't shoot – you can't put that thing in the center of the photo. But apparently no one – someone forgot to tell Brian Muneer that because he puts things in the center of the photo all the time. And for him, it works. He does a great job. So if you do your craft with confidence and, and learn skill and proficiency – that's what it's all about. Uh, it's exactly what it's all about. And, uh, you know, there's uh, so many parallels here. I love to do a whole podcast on this music thing. Um, yeah. I think it would be uh, it would be very, very uh, eye opening to a lot of people without trying to get too deep uh, in, in things. But there's so many, many, many parallels that we yeah. uh, that we could tap into. And maybe that would be a great uh uh, a great uh, uh, podcast for a later date. Well, anyhow, Dan, uh, thank you for getting up so early up there in beautiful Alaska. I will see you in, in uh, Fall Plus. Uh, and, uh, of course, everybody, we have a website that is entitled wetalkphoto.com, and you can leave your comments, ideas, questions, what have you. We'll answer all of them. And try to, if you have anybody you'd like us to try to track down and get on here, we'd like to do that for you. Um, and we have an email address that is uh, wetalkphoto at gmail.com. You can accomplish kind of the same thing. But if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you got to do it on the website. Dan, it's been a pleasure. John, as always. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been a real lot of fun. Everything behind this whole thing, and it's, it's a wonderful uh a few minutes with Dan. Thank you so much. And until next time, I'll bid everybody adieu. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya.